enjoy going out at times in certain, to certain areas, uh, you know, your favorite spots perhaps during the season? Some of you have like your spots. Others, <laughs> you don't want to go out at all at this time, right? It's just too much um, overwhelming and all of that. And, um, you know, it's true though. At this time, it, it's supposed to be a, a time of celebrating um, the Lord's birth. You know, the birth of Jesus Christ as he's come to this world. And, and uh, his purpose uh, was as the suffering servant. Um, this time, he will come again uh, as a reigning king. But, uh, but we celebrate him during this time. And, and in the midst of all the hustle and bustle and everything that we're doing, um, we have sometimes too many things that we, we give ourselves to during this time that we miss the whole we miss the whole point you know of of why we're even joyful during this time and and why it is that we do what we do so you know it's important to come together and continue our study uh through the bible um Jesus is from the beginning to the end and he is he is the whole of the word and um so this evening you know we get to do that we get to sit at the lord's feet and just receive from him continuing through the book of Numbers and seeing what the Lord has in store for us. So let's take a moment and pray, and then we'll get uh, straight away into Numbers chapter 26. So let's pray. Father, we want to commit this time into your hands, Lord, in that we ask, Father, that you would teach us, that you would help us to understand, that you would, Lord, continue to open up our eyes, Lord, to um, not only know what was going on at the time that we're uh, that we're, we're speaking of and, and uh, looking to in these uh, chapters that we'll be covering this evening. Um, but Lord, how it is that you were faithful to the Israelites then as you are to your people today. And how it is, I pray, Father, that we could, we could take what we learn this evening, Father, and, and in some way, shape, or form apply it to our lives to your glory. And so, Father, we want to commit this evening into your hands, Lord, this time of study. We ask, Lord, again, that you would teach us and that you would help us to understand and apply to our lives that which we hear and that which we learn. We thank you, Father, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this evening we'll be covering two chapters. We're covering chapters 26 and 27, and... um, 26 is basically a census. Um, This is the second census that the Lord has ordered for Moses to uh, take of the people of Israel, um, all of the uh, various tribes. And um, they're they're both for the same reasons. We're going to touch on that in in just a few moments. So we're going to cover that. We're going to cover the second census as we found it in chapter 1, again here in chapter 26. And also we're going to continue on into chapter 27 uh, where it is that we're going to um, really be confronted with an issue that was presented to Moses that was different and wasn't covered previously by the Lord in how it is that Moses handled it and how it is how the, uh, how the people that, uh, that brought this issue to Moses' attention also handled the situation. And so um, let's start out with uh, with the second census that's been ordered here, starting in Numbers chapter 26, verse 1. After the plague, the Lord said to Moses and to Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel, 
from 20 years old and upward by their, by their father's houses, all in Israel, who are able to go to war. And Moses and Eliezer the priest spoke with them in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Take a census of the people from 20 years old and upward, as the Lord commanded Moses, the people of Israel who came out of the land of Egypt were. And then the census began. So let's just uh, just want to open up with a few words here, just introduce the census to you. Um, what we have before us this evening is basically further preparation for the children of Israel to enter into the promised land. That's really the bottom line. That's what we're going into. It's just these, these last details that need to be taken care of prior to them entering into the promised land. And so the Lord commanded that Moses and Eliezer take the census of all of the tribes, the, the whole of Israel, and uh, that way they knew exactly what they had. Um, again, you know, I had referred to the first census taking place in Numbers chapter 1, and here again, 38 years later, uh, the Lord commanded a second census to be taken. Both the first and the second census were commanded by the Lord and were for the same basic uh, reasons, and, and that is to prepare them uh, to get them organized for them to know the resources, the people resources that they had in order to take possession of the promised land. It was no different the first time as it was the second time. The only difference is the first time they were faithless. And, uh, you know, of course, this time we're looking at the Israelites to be faithful, the second generation going into the promised land. But it was for the, for the, the purpose of counting, for organizing the tribes. And it was very necessary because they were going into hostile territory. Teams are formed, formed, strengths and weaknesses are identified, strategies are planned, intelligence is gathered, and an operations leader sees the whole picture to enter and engage for the purpose of fulfilling the mission. It, it, it's all there. It, it's all uh, within the, the, um, the, the rules of engagement, you could say, uh, prior preparation. It's the same basic things that need to be taken into account. Resources are, are to be taken into consideration. And that's what determines exactly what the, the Israelites, in this case, can do as they're going into the promised land. The people need to know. God already knows. It's the people that need to know this. But there was one thing that was missing from the first group of people that was very important. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that without faith, faith it is impossible to please God. Faith was the one thing that was missing from the first group. A church body, and I was thinking about this, a church body can be a finely tuned and organized machine with vision and purpose, but without faith, it just kind of goes through the motions, running in place. Work really becomes a burden with much movement, but really having no progress whatsoever. But with faith, God is relied upon, governed by, and covering and serves as a covering to those who stay under his wings. He makes all things new, and whatever this day brings, it is according to God's sovereign will, and we rejoice in him, for he is good, regardless of what we have before us. What we need to have really as, you could say, as refuge, as we continue to move forward, uh, we can organize, we can come together, we can uh, consider our resources, we can even go out and, and, be, and do work, and hopefully not be busy, Right? Just to kind of just going through the things that we would normally do. But by trusting in the Lord, by having faith in the Lord, everything is new. 
it, it, it's not a burden. It, it's not like something that becomes a duty. But it's something that is a privilege and it's an honor and you get to do it. I can say the times personally in ministry that I've uh, become weary and um, overwhelmed are the times that, that I have to kind of take a step back and realize that maybe I, I'm seeing it in a way that I shouldn't be seeing ministry. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not work. I'm not coming to work. I, I get to do this. I, you know, it's amazing how it is that the Lord, you know, to me, the Lord allowed me to do this. The Lord allows me to serve him. From the very beginning, even the little things um, you, you, that we see as little, God does not see, by the way, as little. Nothing he, that we do for him is little. But, you know, the things that you and I would see is like, well, you know, that's kind of like little things here and there. Even, you know, and I always refer back to the time when I was asked to just simply bring the coffee to, to a Bible study. That was it. To me, when I was asked to, to bring the coffee, I mean, just ask my wife. I was like, okay, we're bringing coffee. That's awesome. Like, to Bible study, we get to do that. And it was in a percolator. We lived in East Highland at the time, and we'd travel out here to this area. And it was a 100-cup percolator. You know how long it takes to prepare that? It takes a long time. You've got to, like, prepare like an hour ahead of time, scoop in all the, the coffee and all of that, put in the water, and then carefully put it in the, in the car <laughs> and drive it. But it was like, it was such, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And, and I think about that, and I think that's the key is having faith and trust in the Lord and seeing serving Him as being an honor and a privilege. And it doesn't become burdensome at any time, at no time at all. As God's people, I always pray that we never fail in trusting the Lord and looking to Him for everything. And I pray that He may place His custom-fitting yoke on us. Did you know that as you, as you come and, and take his yoke upon you, that it's custom fitting. You, we don't go it alone either. As we serve him, take my yoke, my yoke upon you. He says his burden is light. You know why his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Is because, number one, that yoke is personally fitting to you. Number two, you're going along with him. If you are in step with him, guess who's the stronger one? It's not you. It's him. And he's moving along and you're doing his work as you're coming alongside him. Uh, you, you, you do his work together. And his burden is light. It's like I was saying a few moments ago, it's never burdensome. And I pray that we would know that custom fitting yoke because he offers it to us. It's light. And I pray that we would personally come to know that light burden that he offers. That doesn't justify us not working, not serving. What it does is it helps us, it encourages us to work along, alongside him. And that's really important to understand. So what we see here before us is that the Lord orders Moses to take a census of the people 20 years and older who are able to go to war. That's what we read there, right? So that's the whole purpose of taking the census the second time. Now, let's, we're going to quickly go through these tribes. We're just going to read through them and then read the highlights pretty much, which is what we have. <laughs> we have the highlights. 
Okay, so let's take a look at the tribe of Reuben, uh, starting in verse 5. Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, the sons of Reuben, of Hanak, the clan of the Hanakites, of Palu, the clan of the Paluites, of Hezron, the clan of the, he- of the Hezronites, of Carmi, the clan of the Carmites. These are the clans of the Reubenites, and those listed were 43,730. And the sons of Pelu, Eliab, the sons of Eliab, Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram. These are the the Dathan and Abiram chosen from the congregation who contended against Moses and Aaron in the company of Korah when they contended against the Lord. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah when that company died, when the fire devoured 250 men, and they became a warning. But the sons of Korah did not die. So let's stop for a moment there. Reuben, uh, we know, was Israel's firstborn. And uh, we have here that 43,750 were counted 20 years and older uh, for the tribe of Reuben. Now, what was noted here, which is unique, is that two men were, con- were, were identified as being the ones who, con- who contended uh, with Moses or against Moses. Uh, and Aaron, Dathan, and Abiram. These uh, two men co-led um, this basically contention against Moses and Aaron along with Korah. The judgment that God passed on these men along with 250 others became basically, as we see here, a warning. It was a warning. These, these guys served as examples um, of what not to do, Right? And really these examples, as we look back to them, in fact, as we look at the New Testament, we look in Hebrews, and, and we see how it is that the Lord tells us, hey, listen, these Old Testament people, the, the times of the Israelites in, in the wilderness, all of this serves as examples for us. For what? So that we could walk a straighter line. So that we could really walk that straight and narrow. Understanding that their hindsight is our foresight. The Lord lays it all out for us, and He helps us understand. There are so many examples in the Bible of things not to do. And it's there for all eternity for us to read, right? To see, to understand, to apply to our lives, and hopefully not repeat those same errors. And so these guys should serve us really as a warning sign, just not to go in the same way. So again... Their hindsight is our foresight. At least it should be, and it should guide us on that better path. So, we have 43,730 for the tribe of Reuben. Originally, in the first census, there was 46,500. So, doing the math there, there was a loss of 2,770 men. So, that's what we see for the tribe of Reuben. The tribe of Simeon. The sons of Simeon, according to their clans of Nemuel, the clan of the Nemulites of Jamin, the clan of the Jamanites of Jachin, the clan of the Jachinites of Zerah, the clan of the Zerahites of Shal, the clan of the Shalites. These are the clans of the Simeonites, 22,200. So from the Simeonites or the tribe of Simeon, uh, there was 22,200 originally. 59,300, so they lost a lot, over 37,000, 37,100 to be exact. So there was a loss there. Let's continue to the tribe of Gad. Uh, The sons of Gad, according to their clans, of Zephon, the clan of the Zephonites, of Haggai, the the clan of the Haggites, 
of Shuni, the clan of the Shunites, of Ozni, the clan of the Oznites, of Eri, the clan of the Erites, of Er, the clan of the Eridites, of Areli, the clan of the Erelites. These are the clans of the sons of Gad, as they were listed, 40,500. Originally, 45,650, a net loss of 5,150. So we're not doing so well, are we? We, we keep losing. We're going backwards. There was a lot of people, remember, that had perished in the wilderness. We have the new generation. These are them. Let's go to the tribe of Judah. In verse 19, the sons of Judah were Ur and Onan. And Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. And the sons of Judah, according to their clans, were of Shelah, the clan of the Shelanites, of Perez, the clan of the Perizzites, of Zerah, the clan of the Zerahites. And the sons of Perez were of Hezron, the clan of the Hezronites of Hamul, the clan of the Hamulites. These are the clans of Judah as they were listed, 76,500. 76,500, well, originally, here we go, 74,600. So they have a net gain of 1,900. So good, we have a gain there. Let's continue on because we have another big gain here with the tribe of Issachar. The sons of Issachar, according to their clans, of Tola, the, the clan of the Tolanite, or Tolites of Puva, the clan of the Punites, of Jashub, the clan of the Jashubites, of Shimron, the clan of the Shimronites. These are the clans of Issachar, as they were listed 64,300. Originally 54,400, so a gain of 9,900. So then we go to the tribe of Zebulun. So the sons of Zebulun, according to their clans, of Sered, the clan of the Seredites, of Elon, the clan of the Elonites, of Jalil, the clan of the Jalilites. These are the clans of the Zebulonites as they were listed, 60,500. Boy, these are tongue twisters, huh? (laughs) All right, so Zebulun. Originally, 57,400, so a net gain of 3,100. So now we're going back up. All right, the tribe of Manasseh. Now, the tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim, these are two that we're going to cover here next. These were actually the sons of Joseph, but they were split, and they were counted as separate tribes, counting toward the, the, all the complete tribes of Israel. Okay, so first we're going to count the tribe of Ephraim, or I'm sorry, of Manasseh, in verse 28. The sons of Joseph, Joseph according to their clans, Manasseh and Ephraim. The sons of Manasseh, of Machir, the, the clan of the... Machirites and Machir was the father of Gilead. Of Gilead, the clan of the Gileadites, these are the sons of Gilead. Of Ezer, the clan of the Ezerites. Of Helic, the clan of the Helicites. And of Israel, or Ezrael, the clan of the Ezraelites. And of Shechem, the clan of the Shechemites. And of Shemida, the, the clan of the Shemadites. And of Hefer, the clan of the Heferites, now Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, had no sons but daughters, and the names of the daughters of Zelophehad were Malah, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Terzah. These are the clans of Manasseh, and those listed were 52,700. So originally, there was 32,200, so they gained a lot, 20,000. 500. The other tribe, the tribe of Ephraim, according to their clans of Shuthala, the clan of the Shuthalahites, of 
Becker, the clan of the Beckerites, of Tahan, the clan of the Tahanites, uh, and these are the sons of Shethula, of Aaron, the clan of the Aaronites. These are the clans of the sons of Ephraim, as they were listed, 32,500. These are the sons of Joseph, according to their clans, 32,500. Originally 40,500, so there was a loss of 8,000 for the tribe of Ephraim. So let's go to the tribe of Benjamin. The sons of Benjamin, according to their clans, of Bela, the clan of the Belites, of Ashbel, the clan of the Ashbelites, of Ahiram, the clan of the Ahiramites, of Jephufam, the clan of the Jephumites, of uh, Hufam, the clan of the Hufamites, and the sons of Bela were Ard and Naaman. And Ard, of Ard and the, and the clan of the Ardites, of Naaman, the clan of the Namites, these are the sons of Benjamin, according to their clans, and those listed were 45,600. Originally 35,400 for a gain of over 10,000, so 10,200. Uh, now these are the sons of Dan, according to their clans, of Shuham, the clan of the Shuhamites. These are the clans of Dan, according to their clans, all the clans of the Shuhamites. As they were listed, were 64,400, originally 62,700 for a net gain of 1,700. And then we have the tribe of Asher. The tribe of Asher, the sons of Asher, according to their clans, of Imnah, the clan of the Imnites, of uh, Ishvi, the clan of the Ishvites, of Bariah, the clan of the uh, Berites, of the sons of Bariah, of Eber, the clan of the Eberites, of Malchiel, the clan of the Malchielites, in the name of the daughter of Asher was Sarah. These are the clans of the sons of Asher, as they were listed, 53,400. Originally 41,500 for a gain of 11,900. And then we have the last tribe, the tribe of Naphtali. Verse 48, the son of the sons of Naphtali, according to their clans of uh, Jezeel, the clan of the Jezeelites, of Gunai, the clan of the Gunites, of Jezer, the clan of the Jezerites, of Shilam, the clan of the Shilamites. These are the clans of Naphtali, according to their clans, and those listed were 45,400. Originally 53,400 for a loss, a total loss of 8,000. So the total numbers are found in verse 51. This was the list of the people of Israel, 601,730. That was the second census. The first census was 603,550. So they, they lost a few. Um, 1,820 in total. And, and it wasn't, you could say in the whole scheme of, uh, of things, it wasn't a big loss, but it wasn't a big gain either. I mean, you would think in 38 years, that many people, you would have... A greater gain, right? Not kind of this the same. They kind of stayed the same. They were stagnant out there, but it was much the picture of where they were as a, as a people. They were they were out there, and remember, they were wandering in the wilderness. They were going basically around in circles in different areas for all of these years, for now close to four decades. That's a long time, and so their numbers pretty much stayed the same. Um, the unbelieving, 
generation at this time had died and another was raised and was getting ready to enter into the promised land that the previous had failed to enter because of unbelief. Now, there was a, there was a few commentators that, that said that perhaps the, the greater losses in some tribes and, and greater gains in others was because of you know, God's judgment um, on whether they were abiding in the Lord more than the other tribes or so on and so forth. Um, we don't have text to tell us whether that's true or not. And so I'm just telling you that that's out there uh, as, as far as the commentators are concerned. But we don't, we don't have that like laid out before us to look to and say this was the reason why there was a net gain or loss. It's just what we do know is that the previous generation died. The new generation was was raised up. And what was awesome, though, is that even though we can look to the old generation and say that they were unfaithful, there was one thing that they did. Moses could not have done this on his own. They passed along to the next generation all that the Lord had commanded them. Even if they didn't do it, even if they didn't do it perfectly, they still passed along to the next generation everything that the Lord had commanded the children of Israel. So we need to take that into account as well. Basically, the bottom line is we see some tribes suffered greater losses while others enjoyed greater gains and others didn't see much change at all. And that's what we see. Sometimes we see it even even you know within us you know it's like okay sometimes there's a great gain sometimes there's a great loss sometimes there's there's nothing you know it's just it is what it is through it all the lord's doing a work and we need to just pay attention we're still here we can glorify the lord um there's still work to be done let's continue to move forward sometimes we we worry too much about what happened in the past and we're not focused on on what the lord has before us today uh, remember that the Lord tells us to seize the moment, you know, to seize the day. What, what are we going to do today to bring glory to the Lord? We need to move forward and keep our eyes on the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ. Let's talk about portions here. Verse 52, as we continue. Verse 52, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Among these, the land shall be divided for inheritance according to the number of names. To a large tribe you shall give a large inheritance, and to a small tribe you shall give a small inheritance. Every tribe shall be given its inheritance in proportion to its list. But the land shall be divided by lot, according to the names of the tribes of their fathers. They shall inherit. Their inheritance shall be divided according to lot between the larger and the smaller. So we have portions here. It's very basic. Um, Not much to explain. As they uh, are going to be entering into the promised land, the Lord is stating how it is that the land is going to be portioned out. That's basically all he's doing here. The larger tribes will have more land to accommodate their large numbers, and the smaller tribes will be assigned less land to accommodate lesser numbers. Um, All is needed. It's all proportional to, to how big or how small they are. But the location of the lands will be divided by lot. And so we know that the smaller... Tribes will choose their their lot, and they and they, were, they, they will be given a certain section of the land as they go in, and others will by lot choose the larger portions. So that's all the Lord's doing here. The Lord we serve an, a, a God of order. You know, he um, 
You know, sometimes uh, we think otherwise. I think we, pretty much, you know, it's like, okay, as we go, we'll just kind of see how things work out. But no, just take into account exactly all of the things that are happening here before us in the pages of Scripture. There is a lot of preparation that's going into getting these, these kids into the promised land. You know, these are God's children, and, and he wants to prepare them well. Remember that we have a good shepherd. Uh, as pastors, we're only um, under shepherds, but we shouldn't take that lightly. We need to be prepared. We need to, as under shepherds, as pastors, we need to be teaching and preparing you to live the abundant life, right? It, it's up to you by faith to receive that and continue to move forward. And so we have before us great preparation. Again, we serve a God of order, and the Lord is doing this right in front of our faces. And so we too should take great care to, um, you know, be orderly, um, to be prepared, uh, just to, um, uh, to understand what our resources are, what we have and what we don't have, what we can do and what we can, just can't do, perhaps at the time, maybe later. All of those things need to be taken into account. At the same time, knowing that the Lord's working through it all, and we need to be content in the place that we are right now. You, you think that the smaller tribes uh, weren't as content and joyful and weren't going to possess the promised land just like the much bigger clans were, the bigger tribes? Yes, they were. They were all going into the promised land all together. They were just going to have different portions of the land. That's it. But they, they were still... The Lord's children, they were still Israelites, right? They were still brothers and sisters. And they were still going to be given that which God had promised them he would give them. All of those things. It was just a different portion. That was it. Now let's talk about the tribe of Levi. Verse 57 says, This was the list of the Levites according to their clans, of Gershon, the clan of the Gershonites, of Kohath, the clan of the Kohathites of Merari, the clan of the Merarites. These are the clans of Levi, the clan of the Libnites, the clan of the Hebronites, the clan of the Malites, the clan of the Mushites, the clan of the Korahites. And Kohath was the father of Amram. The name of Amram's wife was Jochbed, the daughter of Levi, who was born to Levi in Egypt. And she bore to Amram, Aaron, and Moses, and Miriam, their sister. Uh, you remember Miriam was the one that walked along the river. Okay, so we know that whole story, right? And Aaron uh, was Moses' spokesperson at the very beginning, but Aaron uh, was the very person who came alongside Moses and helped him out as the Lord um, had Moses lead the children of Israel. So she bore uh, Amram, uh, Aaron, and Moses, and Miriam, their sister. And to Aaron were born Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died when they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. And then those listed were 23,000, every male from a month old and upward. For they were not listed among the people of Israel because there was no inheritance given to them among the people of Israel. Now there's more to that though, Right? This, this uh, whole thing about no inheritance. Well, we're going to talk about that. They did number 23,000, but they were not numbered among the Israelites because they did not have an inheritance of land allotted to them along with the Israelites. 
They were separate and unto the Lord. They were selected by the Lord, chosen by the Lord to serve Him. They weren't a group or a tribe that was to go to war. They were to serve the Lord. As we know, according to Numbers 18.20, the Lord was their portion. Numbers chapter 18, verse 20 says, And the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. Now, as you think about that, right, their portion and their inheritance was much greater than any portion of land or inheritance of wealth from a previous generation. As believers, our portion and our inheritance is the Lord and is much greater than any material inheritance that we can ever be given by our parents or grandparents, any relative or any other human being can ever give us. Nobody can outdo the inheritance that awaits us in the presence of the Lord. He is our portion. He is our prize. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I love this because the Apostle Paul basically puts this in proper perspective. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If, I mean, if we keep that in mind, there's no way that we can be bribed. There's no way that someone can, can offer us something that the Lord is not offering us. There really should, should be no moment that we get into a place to where we are just completely dissatisfied. As, think about that. As children of God, we have a greater hope that lies ahead and lies within us. It's going to come to us as sure as the sun rises in the morning and it sets in the evening. It's coming. The Lord is faithful. And as believers, our portion and our inheritance is the Lord and it's much greater than anything that we can ever be offered here on earth. Now we see a couple of faithful guys and they're the only ones from the old generation that's going to make it into the promised land. Verse um, 63, as we wrap up this chapter and go on, go on to the next one. These were those listed by Moses, verse 63, and Eliezer the priest, who listed the people of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. But among these, there was not one of those listed by Moses and Aaron the priest, who had listed the people of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, they shall die in the wilderness. Not one of them was left except Caleb, the, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Just two. This was basically, in these few verses, it, it, it gives us a, a picture of God's faithfulness. What he says will come to pass. He said, not one, minus these two, will go into the promised land. Not even Moses is going to go into the promised land. But these two will. And from all of the people that they had just counted, that they had just taken a census of, there's not one from the old generation. I mean, in 38 years, you would think you'd have one, two, or maybe more lingering, no? It's just 38 years. It wasn't like, it, it wasn't like 100 years. 
It wasn't 150 years later. It was just 38 years later. And there was not one that was left, except for these two who were faithful, Caleb and Joshua. No other was counted because they weren't among them. And they will not enter into the promised land again, including Moses. So God is faithful. Everything that he says, not, not even one iota, right? Will be unfulfilled. It will all come to pass. Let's continue. As we have an issue before us in, verse, uh, in chapter 27, verse 1, as we continue, the, then drew near the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, a uh, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, from the clans of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. The names of his daughters were uh, Mahla, no- Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Terzah. And they stood before Moses and before Eliezer, the priests, and before the chiefs and all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died for his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan? Because he had no son. Give to us a possession among our father's brothers. And so these five girls, they came before Moses and presented an issue that hadn't been addressed up to this point. Otherwise, they wouldn't have the question, right? Listen, our dad died. He, he died for his own sins in the wilderness. He was part of the old generation. But he died not having had not one son. We're it. These five girls that you see before you, Moses, we're it. What do we do? They stated that their concern was the name of their father continuing. We want to continue the line of our father. But the question, of course, is, well, what if they marry into a different tribe? Right? They're still the children of Israel. What if they married into a different tribe? Well, that's going to be covered, actually. What they desired, though, was a portion along with everyone else, their fellow tribal members, the rest of the Israelites. They wanted to inherit their father's portion. And so we see here how it is that Moses responded to this because he was posed a question that hadn't been covered. So what do we do now? Verse 5, Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, The daughters of Zelophehad are right. You shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. And you shall speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. And if he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. And if he has no brothers... Then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest kinsman of his clan, and he shall possess it. And it shall be for the people of Israel a statute and rule as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, I was thinking about this. Do you think that the... Man, the Lord missed something. 
he covered everything and he, he didn't see this one coming. And here it is, these five girls. Father's passed. And no law, no rule, no statute has been laid out for them to follow. It, it didn't catch the Lord by surprise, right? He, he knew exactly what was going on. He knew that this was going to come about. Sometimes those things that perhaps we come across that we have no knowledge of. You know, we can take things into our own hands and do whatever it is that we feel that we need to do. But is that really what the Lord desires for us to do? Kind of take it upon ourselves to make these decisions? Or would he be glorified and, and really praised and honored if you would just go to him and ask him? He desires that we would go to him. I, I don't have the answer to this, so who am I going to turn to? It's awesome that these girls brought this before Moses, and then Moses turned right around and brought this issue, this case before the Lord. And he brought their case before the Lord. This isn't my case. Moses wasn't saying, you know, he was the one that was that was standing as a mediator. And, and so he came before the Lord and he says, I present to you their case. What do you want me to do about that? James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask his buddies and they'll give to... No, right? Let him ask God. If any of you lacks wisdom, that is a knowledge that is applied, right? If any of you lacks that go to god right ask god who gives generously to all without reproach in other words without making you feel less or make fun of you or anything like that he'll give to you without any reproach whatsoever and it will be given him that's his promise if you don't doubt the one who doubts will not will not receive he's he's one who can be tossed around but if you lack wisdom, just believe that God can give it to you because he desires to, and he'll give, give the, you wisdom generously without holding back. So the Lord responded, and a statute and rule was introduced. A father who dies without a son shall have the inheritance go to his daughters, and if there's no daughters, then to his brothers, and so on and so forth. All the way through to the point to where, hey, if there's no brothers, no, the father's brothers, they don't exist either, then it's to the next of kin. But according to Numbers 36, there was further instruction that was given. And that is that these ladies were to marry within their own tribe. This, this gives further evidence that these, these girls were faithful. They sought the Lord. They not only sought the Lord, but they received from the Lord. And they followed his instruction carefully. They very well could have done their own thing. The Lord said in, in Numbers 36, Hey, you are to marry within your own tribe so that the land will not be assumed by another tribe, but remain within the tribe of their father. Otherwise, another tribe would assume that land. And the Lord was saying, Hey, keep it within your tribe. And what they do? They married within that tribe. They did that. Again, they weren't looking for their will, you know, their will to be done. They were looking for the Lord's will to be done. And the Lord was honored by that. 
Now keep in mind also that this whole conversation was happening before they went into the promised land. Before they were even in the promised land, this was, this was, these conversations were taking place. This issue was presented to Moses. Moses presented their case to the Lord. The Lord heard from, or the Moses Lord from, uh, heard from the, the Lord, and, and Moses carried out, he instructed uh, these young ladies to do as the Lord had commanded. They did just as the Lord had commanded. And this was, this was all taken care of before they even went into and possessed the promised land. These are conversations of faith that anticipate the possession of God's promises. As if they had already taken place. Why? Because a man or a woman of faith will know that God's promises are as good as done. Now that's why, you know, the, the things that to talk about heaven, to, to talk about those things that are to come, you know, as if they had already, it's a done deal. I'm sure by faith, this pleases the Lord. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God. So those things, to live by faith, to do those things, just because God said that these were good for us to do and to follow out. Knowing that God is faithful and his word is truth. Matthew 5.18 says, For truly, I say to you, Jesus speaking, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Let's continue. Verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, Go up into this mountain of Abarim and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you shall be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was, because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zin, when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before their eyes. These are the waters of Meribah of Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. And stop there for a moment. Basically, the Lord was telling Moses, your time is quickly approaching. Now, I was thinking about what if... What if God were to remind you, you know, that your time was quickly approaching? You, know, you had that conversation, conversation with the Lord and he told you, hey, your time is quickly approaching. I wonder how we would respond. Think about it. How would you feel? The Lord told you very soon, um, your time is up here on earth. How would you respond? How would you feel? Well, that's exactly what Moses was told. He had been told by God back in Numbers chapter 20 that he would not enter into the promised land, but that not too long from now, he's going to be climbing up on this mountain and taking a peek of the land into which these people are going into and you are not. And at that time, you will be gathered. You will be gathered up with your fathers, and you will die, and you will be no more. Not on earth. God was preparing Moses for what was to come. And really, what he was doing in these final moments is he wanted to make sure that Moses understood, hey, you're not going in. You're not going in. How you respond to this is really of utmost importance. Especially as you've been called to lead these people all the way up to this point. What are you going to do? 
let me tell you that too many people when okay you guys have been at jobs to where you have people who are uh, retiring people who are leaving what do they call those people you guys know you guys know short timers right ah they're short timers well there comes a point where they're being told right that your time is quickly approaching in fact no one has to tell them they just know Their time is quickly approaching. And they're celebrating before they even leave. Now, as Christians, we shouldn't have a short-timer's attitude. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That means you need to have integrity. You need to have honor. You need to bless your, your boss, your company, all the way to the last minute that you are spending there at your present job. Would it be important for Moses at this point to continue to prepare the people to enter into the promised land? The answer, of course, is yes, right? God is expecting that. He's preparing Moses, but Moses is to continue preparing the people to enter into the promised land. If our time is coming, which it is, how should we prepare for it? If you really get down to it, I'll just break the news to you. You're dying. I'm dying. We're all dying. We're not going to live forever. At some point, that's it for us. There is a day and a moment that God has appointed for us to die. Who is to succeed us? Are they prepared to continue to advance and glorifying the Lord and continue His work? How is this happening in your home? And how is this happening in your church? Because we're responsible for those two. How are we we doing? What are we leaving our children to? Nomadic, pleasure-driven lives? I hope not. The really bottom line is that we ought to respond in the same way that Moses did. The same way. Because Moses responds in a very shepherd-like way, in a very Christ-like way. Let's read verse 15. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be a sheep that have no shepherd. This was Moses' response. To that, I, I say, wow, that is selfless. That is God submitted. That is such a Christ like response. Moses didn't beg for more time. He didn't complain. He didn't try to get out of it. None of that. Moses simply received what God had told him. By the way, once more, right? He had already told him previously, and he heard him. He received it once more and expressed one thing, compassion and concern over the Israelites. That was it. 
He looked to the Lord to appoint the next person who would lead and shepherd the people. He wasn't looking to himself. He was looking to the Lord. Lord, you appoint the next person who is to succeed me and be the shepherd for the Israelites, to bring them out, to bring them out. Bring the mountain in to lead them, to direct them, to guide them, to teach them, to shepherd them. All of those things. Sheep without a shepherd are very vulnerable. They never really find good pasture. They are often very sickly. And many die for the lack of being led by a shepherd. You see them wandering out in the fields? They haven't, they haven't a clue. <laughs> and the Bible um, describes us as, as sheep. You know, we're, we're sheep, but we're not without a shepherd, right? We have, and we have a good shepherd. In the church, I think w- that we need more under shepherds. We, we don't need more farmers or ranchers. We, we need more shepherds. We have too many ranchers. We're all about quantities and You know, let's see how many we can send out to market and and, and all that. We need more shepherds. That's what we need. We need more under shepherds. We have Jesus as the good shepherd. We as pastors are under shepherds who are loyal, who are faithful to, to the good shepherd, who lead out and in, who give guidance and direction for sheep to follow. Moses was being this example of an awesome shepherd. His heart was for the people. Moses, after all was said and done, remember at some point he was asking the Lord to take his life? (laughs) Just take my life. These are rebellious people. They're awful. Just take my life. But then he interceded. You remember God was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to make a great nation out of you and multiply you. I'm going to take them all out. No, 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 Lord. Please blot my name out, but, you know, have mercy on them. He stood in the gap for them. And when all it was said and done, even though he wasn't going into the promised land, he would be willing to lay down his life for his people and, and want nothing less than for his people to be taken care of by the Lord. Make sure, Lord, that there is someone who is appointed. And that's what his heart was. That's where his heart was. Verse 18 So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eliezer the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority, that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And he shall stand before Eliezer the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his word, they shall go out, and at his word, they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him, the whole congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eliezer the priest and the whole congregation, and he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses. Moses was to commission Joshua, who is full of the Spirit, and all the side of the congregation. He was to lay hands on him, pray over him, anoint him as his successor. Up to this point, Joshua was basically known as, as his assistant. He was faithful. He was there always. Joshua and Caleb, 
We're going to learn more about Joshua. Caleb is awesome, by the way. Caleb, at an old age, he was like, give me the mountain. Give me the toughest parts, you know. I'll take them all on. I, I love that attitude. It's just, just like, go, 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 and go some more. Just keep going. We're going to learn more about them. More about Joshua in a couple chapters, or uh, basically, basically as we get through Deuteronomy, and then we'll get into Joshua. But at this point, Moses was to commission Joshua. He was full of the Spirit. He was to do this in front of all the congregation, anoint, bless him, pass on that which was entrusted to Moses now was being given to Aaron. After all of these years, I mean, think about it. Moses had been had been the one to lead the people out of Egypt. They were in the wilderness for some 38 years at this point now. Joshua had seen it all. He had been a faithful servant of the people and of Moses for all of these years. He saw, he saw it all. And at this point, he was being handed that place of leading the people into Israel. A great number of people, but these were God's people. It was important that Moses commissioned Joshua before the people so that, that they knew that Joshua had full authority and they were to follow him in obedience as he followed the Lord in obedience. The Lord, of course, of course was requiring jo- Joshua, you, you follow me, you go out there. Be courageous, do not fear. But it was important for Moses to do this before the people. What a time of preparation for the Israelites. It's just, it's wonderful to go through, through all of this and see all of this preparation. The time of their entering into the promised land was quickly approaching and God was preparing them for this very thing. The senses reminded them of what had to be left behind in order to advance and enter into the promised land. Remember that they were not going to go into the promised land with all of these, uh, this other generation. They weren't going to go in. They, no further. Not one of these people are going to enter. So they knew, hey, y'all have to die off before we go in. So remind, it reminded them, the second census, of what had to be left behind in order to advance and enter into the promised land. They couldn't enter into the promised land with the same faithless people they initially entered the wilderness with. The census also brought to mind that they were to assemble and prepare for battle. Hey, listen, you're going into the promised land, but count all the people who are ready for war. It's like, oh, we're going in, we're we're occupying and we're possessing the promised land. Uh, But it's not going to come easily. There is going to be great resistance and it's going to require a battle. But they did. And so taking the census reminded them of all of that. And then we have this command by the Lord for Moses to commission his successor. And he did that. So there's this great preparation and a blessing from the Lord as we see many things that we can apply to our own lives, to God's glory in the church, in our own homes, in so many different areas that we talked about. So let's pray. Father, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord that I have no doubt 
that this evening as we continue to learn about the preparation of the Israelites for entering into the promised land, that you have further prepared us, Lord, to enjoy and possess an abundant life in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that we would take heed of your word, that we would apply it to our lives, that we would seize the moment and, Lord, rejoice over the fact that we belong to you and you belong to us. May we truly be content in the fact that we are yours and that we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, that there's nothing that we can do to earn a place.